0: Welcome back to the MarTech
1: Podcast. Today we're going to continue our discussion about how to make the most out of your product launches. Joining us again is Sierra Tischgart, who is the co-founder at Great Jones, which is a modern kitchen company that marries substance with style by equipping, encouraging, and inspiring people to cook more frequently, even if that means they're just frying an egg. Yesterday, Sierra and I talked about how e-commerce brands should prepare for a product launch, and today we're going to talk about how you can keep your post-launch how you can keep your post-launch momentum going. Okay, here's the rest of my conversation with Sierra Tischgart, co-founder at Great Jones. Sierra, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you. Excited to have you back on the show. Yesterday, we talked a lot about how to get ready and how to get through your product launch. And my takeaway from that conversation is you have a very relationship-based approach to running a product launch, to building buzz for your product, whether it be building an Instagram following, reaching out to people that you already have relationships, building relationships with members of the press, or just influencers that are interested in demoing your product. Once you got through a successful product launch with Great Jones, talk to me about what you did to keep the momentum going. How do you keep your brand and your products in the minds and hearts of influencers and potential customers?
2: We're still under a year old as a company. So one that at Great Jones, we are still answering. And we are fortunate to have a very successful launch, tons of press, tons of attention. So some of the things we've been doing to keep that going are, I think, one, selective and interesting partnerships, and also maintaining an element of surprise and weirdness, which I think is really important as a brand when you have people especially been sticking around from day one, as well as getting new people to pay attention. So to point to some specifics, one, we've really ramped up our content, whether that's educational or editorial. We brought on our first recipe columnist who's a woman in Du Dubois, who's the chef at a restaurant called King in New York. James Beard nominated chef. She cooked with all her things at home. It was beautiful. We've also done things like have a surprising kind of event, which was we brought in a restaurant called Combi, which is a small, small place in Echo Park of Los Angeles that specializes in Japanese-style sandwiches. They're particularly famous for like this egg salad sandwich. They've never cooked or appeared beyond the confines of their 500-square-foot restaurants. And we brought them here to New York and did a pop-up in our office, which also has a kitchen. We had a line down the block. We sold tickets ahead, and we had a wait list of several hundred people. I think it was the right mix of a little bit weird, definitely interesting, and couldn't be found elsewhere. So we've done a mix of things, but those are two that really stand out to me.
1: So I think the interesting thing here from a marketing perspective is you went through your pre-launch phase, you're doing your PR, right? You're, you're crafting a story around your product launch, you're reaching out to influencers, and that doesn't necessarily stop after launch, right? You're trying to create other narratives and build other relationships that keep you fresh in the minds of consumers. So talk to me about how you rethink crafting your story. Obviously, you have your launch messaging. Here's the announcement of a new brand and look who's using it. And then once you've been launched, you can't fire that bullet again. Hey, we're new. Check it out. How do you think about staying fresh and think about content strategy and partnership strategies that enable you to keep your message out there without becoming stale?
2: I think we saw ourselves post-launch as we want to have a relationship with someone who's thinking about cooking from before they purchase our product to well after to perhaps even if they don't purchase at all. And that all goes into our ultimate ethos of wanting to break down barriers to home cooking and make people feel more confident in their kitchen. So one example of this is as we launched through our customer experience lead, a service called Potline. It's text-based. We are not making you download an app or even going on a little chat window on our site. And it's two nights a week. We are here. There's a real person. It's not a robot to answer questions about cooking. That could be, I only have beans and a hunk of parmesan and some Swiss chard in my fridge. What can I make? Or I want to host for brunch this weekend and cook for 12 people. What can I do? And you don't have to be a customer. This is just a free service. And I think really what we want to do is be saying, buying Great Jones, we are here for you and wherever you are in your cooking process. We're here for you with recipes, we're here for support and for advice. And that has allowed us to really go beyond being this young, hot thing and go beyond just being a company that has a physical product.
1: So the marketing strategy here is you're not only creating content and not only doing an event-based approach, you're adding different pieces of utility right? When you launch your text-based service, basically cooking advice through SMS. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi, who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to That's mutinex.co. That's mutine dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. How did you think about talking about that publicly, and why was that a good play from a marketing perspective?
2: It was like, in some small ways, a tech thing, which was interesting. Like it was picked up by TechCrunch. And since then, I've read a lot of articles about text being the new form of communicating directly with consumers. We all know the power of email marketing is text a thing. A lot of companies are saying, yes, this is our first attempt at this. And I think what really, what, what, why does, and this was definitely a marketing success for us more than a lot of the other things, which I actually thought were probably like cool or interesting, but maybe didn't take on the same way. I think that it was just genuine. I know that's a word that gets thrown around a lot, but having someone on the other side, not having to buy into a service, or like I said, download something, we just met people where they were which is on their phone, in the middle of cooking or walking home at the grocery store. And I think that's what nailed it. It also was kind of a perfect mix of this was the brainchild of Gabby Stelzo, who's our customer experience lead, and really like her having taking such initiative here, but also coming up with a cheeky name and graphics and having all these marketing assets. It was kind of a perfect storm for us as a company, especially and working cross-functionally as well.
1: We've talked a lot about influencer strategies and about building content, and about the narrative behind your brand. We haven't talked about any sort of paid acquisition or direct response type marketing. As you go beyond introducing your brand and the concept behind it, and even adding some utility like your text line, Have you thought about or have you launched any performance marketing campaigns? Where does doing direct response marketing and actually trying to sell your product as opposed to make people aware of it, where does that fit into your mix?
2: As we've grown over time, we have scaled up those efforts and are still in the process of it. We felt very strongly about building the organic brand foundation first. This is our superpower. These relationships, these products, these stories around them, that was something that nobody else could replicate. That said, obviously, it's very complimentary to have a paid strategy surrounding that. But we also knew that that is nothing without the former. So as time has gone on, we've done more. We have certainly scaled up our Facebook and Instagram and Google ad spend. We've also experimented with podcasts. We've advertised on three different podcasts. One of which is David Chang, who also is an investor and advisor. Two of the others are in the food space. And we've tried out one affiliate program so far with a newsletter. So we have really been doing things with smooth tests to see and looking at how that impacts cost of acquisition.
1: So as you're investigating your performance marketing efforts, but you're really building your company on our brand centric and on a content centric approach, relationship focused. How do you think about continuing the momentum? How do you think about expanding your message and maybe even your product line?
2: I think you have concisely said what the approach is. And it's easy when you are a startup to say, we're going against all the big bad competitors. And a big thing for us was when you're shopping for pots and pans, there are just dozens and dozens of them. Whether you're looking at floor-to-ceiling pots and pans at a big legacy store, or you're clicking through 10 pages of stock tops, and you're like, how are these different? So we've really tried to be mindful of how do we grow and expand, and also we really see ourselves as a kitchen brand, not just these five pieces of cookware, without becoming too much like those competitors and creating this paradox of choice. So we launched two new main product developments this year, the first of which was the option to engrave our stainless steel products and personalize them. This did a couple of things for us. One, it's really not something that exists in cookware. So it was us really differentiating ourselves. Two, I think that we realized that a big part of our messaging was that you shouldn't have to wait until you get married to get new pots and pans. That's so silly. That's, that's so traditional. Upgrade these and buy these for yourself. That said, we're not going to change that whole market behavior all at once. And there are so many people who want to give this as gifts for other people. And engraving at a higher cost for us, which benefit us as well, also was something that made this even more special as a gifting present around those moments in someone's life and made this seem even more lasting, something that would take you through many decades. So that was the first main product launch. And then we also launched our Dutch oven, which we called the Duchess in black and white.
1: So product launches have been a way for you to continue the momentum by giving you something else to talk about. You're expanding the depth of your product line and what your brand really means, not necessarily just to be about pots and pans, but pots and pans that are personalized or various types of pots and pans. And I'm imagining that can be extended to plates and utensils and glassware and almost an endless amount of product kitchenery. And I just want to let you know that as I was perusing your website and I saw the personalization option, the first thing I did was went in there and see if you can write a note on the top of a pot to say, turn off the stove, something my wife is notoriously forgetful (laughs) about. But when you think about your product launch, understanding that expansion and product expansions is a way for you to continue to have something to talk about, feeding back into that brand message, how you're talking about and building an organic following. As you look back on the things that you've accomplished, going from your product development through your launch and now in this post-launch phase, what advice would you have for somebody who is thinking about launching their own direct consumer e-commerce brand?
2: Oh, the things we have accomplished. It's very hard to distill specific advice. But I do think that in this day and age, a brand has got to stand for more than its physical products, especially a brand that relates to food. I always say like, I'm an emotional eater. Who is it? Like, when did that get a negative connotation? Like food and cooking is tied to your family, to your earliest memories, or to just now I mostly cook just for myself. It's like a way to take care of myself. Like How fortunate are we that this is what we get to talk about every day? And if we're only talking about the pots and pans, that, of course, is the way we keep this in business and grow the business that is doing us a disservice and limiting. You know, engraving, which was a specific product thing, we started realizing that people were taking selfies of themselves with their names in the mirrored pot. It was a way to actually show the enthusiasm for our brand, which was not something we necessarily expected. I would say like that emotional part of this, which can't just be made in a lab, can't be made in a strategy group. Like it's got to, you've got to step. We really, I think, set the example and we do this mostly on Instagram, but also through other things that people then replicated. We set the example for other people and they now keep this churning. A lot of what we post is user generated. And I think really that element is critical here.
1: I think one of the things that sticks out to me about your brand, and as you think about launching e-commerce brands, is authenticity is is one of the things that really rings true. And the first thing that you said when we started talking about how did you get ready for launch was we went and we talked to our customers. We understand what made our products different, what they needed, and then how to serve them. And building an authentic brand, to me, not only comes from an understanding of the space and having creativity and an understanding of what you're doing, it also very much means that you understand who you're trying to sell to and you could build a brand around their needs, not just specifically about what your product features are. And I think that this is a great example of a company and a co founder that has done a wonderful job building a tone that not only the low hanging fruit people that are cooking enthusiasts, but people that are fashionable, people that are not necessarily professional chefs but want advice, right? The home chefs, they're building a brand around around the entire ethos of what it means to be happy cooking at home. So, Sierra, let me just say congratulations on all of your early success. Sounds like you're on a great path to continue to grow your brand. And by all means, please let us know as you continue to do product launches and expand your company and your marketing efforts. We'd love to stay in touch.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right. And that wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks again to Sierra the co-founder of Great Jones for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Sierra, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You could send her a tweet at Great Jones, or you could visit her company's website, which is greatjonesgoods.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com. We've got summaries of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can sign up for our once a week newsletter and you can ask us questions or give us topic suggestions, which we'll talk about live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is BenJShap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, We publish episodes every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.